All right. So now I got this nice little microphone because I did the podcast with Jordan and he had a microphone. And then I was listening back to it and I was like, his sounds so good. His voice quality sounds 10 times better than mine. So I'm like, what microphone do you have? Because I'm going to get one. And um, so I'm hoping that this helps with the, the sound quality. Yeah. Um, I already, I, I hear it from here and I'm not even a listener. So, <laughs> well, I, I, does that count? Do I count? I don't know. Do you listen during cardio? <laughs> I can't listen to myself talk, you know? Like, it's just so weird. When I edit the round table, I'm just like, okay, I'm just going to skip all over all the parts I talk because I can't stand myself. <laughs> you, when, it, when you hear yourself speak, your voice sounds weird. You're like, oh my God, do I really sound like that? Yeah, I always like, I hate my voice. I don't know. Not when I'm talking, but like, yeah, when you listen back to it, it's just like, wait, who is that? What are you doing? I sound absurd. Like, I need to fix my voice. Also, I had a, a phone call with uh, the, basically the Karina of our team who like goes through the yeah. applications and stuff. And she got my voicemail. And when I spoke to her, she's like, um, you sound like you're 16 on your voicemail. You need to update that. And I still haven't done it. But it's from when I first got my cell phone. So I think I was like 16. <laughs> oh my God, I remember that. I don't even have a... I don't even know if I set up my vo- my voicemail or maybe I did, but I don't have like my voice on it anymore. But I remember when I had like a flip phone, it was just like the baby voice for years. Yeah, it's what was I think? Yeah, my first phone was a flip phone. Insane. They don't even make those anymore. I don't think. No, I mean it's funny because I had a friend in high school who, at that time, like the flip phones were pretty much like done for. I guess like no one like they weren't. I mean, the razor was like so cool at some point. And then um, I had a friend in high school who got the razor and everyone else has like iPhones at this point, right? And we're just like looking at him like, dude, like, you know, that phone's like really fucking old, right? And he was like, how cool it is. I'm like, you're like a couple years behind. But the favorite I mean, phone was my Blackberry. I love that thing. Everyone was obsessed with Blackberries too. I never got into those, but. My Blackberry was pretty cool. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so a couple of things. Like first, how is prep going? Give us an update. Oh, it's good. I got another refeed today. What? I know. I'm like, hello. And I hit a low today too. So it's a good day. (laughs) That's amazing. So how much weight have you lost since you started prep? Oh my God. So counting today, I've lost about 21 pounds. Oh my goodness. Like just like kind of taking a step back and realizing that it's like whoa that's a lot and you but you've been dieting for a long time right yeah yeah so I've been dieting definitely like 20 something weeks now I would say like maybe 24 25 weeks if I had to guess um so that's a really long time <laughs> most people would like to be done with prep at that point but um, you know, it, it's, I, I already know, like from my past couple seasons that I'm just someone who needs to take, you know, as much time as I can. Yeah. Really, that's one thing that's people will be like, Oh my God, she lost 20 pounds and she's in prep. Like I should be prepping. And it's like, you started really in just an off season kind of diet to get yourself to kind of get to a happier place. Um, and that, once you got really good biofeedback is when you decided to pull the trigger with prep. So it's not like prep was the fix. Um, it's just an an alternative goal and outcome. So people are like, Oh yeah, I'll just diet for prep and I'll do a bikini competition to lose 20 pounds. And I'm like, 
you can diet without having to do a show. Like people diet for life all the time. Yeah, yeah. That like is so crazy to me. Like just because prep is not going to like, if anything, it's just the most extreme form that you can ever think of. That's not going to be something that you can, like if you start your dieting journey or, you know, lifestyle change with prep, it's like, dude, you're in for a real uh, rude awakening after. Um, Rude awakening. And I, one thing I really emphasize with people that have never prepped before, and they're also not super comfortable with tracking is there is such a large learning curve with that, um, that you're going to fuck up, uh, probably multiple times until you realize like, Oh, Sprite oil, like, Oh, it's actually like probably a gram of fat because no one sprays for a quarter of a second or your condiments and they add up. Like you have to weigh and track those little things. Um, the oil that you put on the bottom of your pan before you cook your meat. Yeah, that has calories. We need to, we need to track that. Um, and so a lot of people don't do that. And then they'll be like, oh, that's why I'm not losing weight because I'm still eating like 300 calories over what I'm allotted in fat. (laughs) Like, yeah, there's a lot of hidden stuff. Like, even though you're not actually eating fat on a plate, like the fat that you cook your stuff in still counts. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, all that like hidden stuff, like it's it's funny because when you're in prep, you you think about like everything. Like I track my sugar-free ketchup. Like yeah, it's not something that I I can just kind of like fly by. Like if I'm in off season, like yeah, I'm just gonna live my life. I'm I'm not gonna track my greens. I'm not gonna track my ketchup. Like it's mm-hmm. literally negligible at that point. But when you're in prep, like everything adds up and everything counts. So it's like it's the most. Um, it's really where you have to kind of have all that shit down pat before you even like jump into it because someone doesn't even know how to track their macros, let alone weigh out cooked versus raw meat or anything like that. Like uh, you're going to have a really hard time. Yeah. Some of the biggest hiccups I've seen with people is that, that you just said like cooked versus raw. Like I'm someone when it comes to lean proteins, I typically just search the USDA database and I'll use the same input because when I'm in prep, I cook, my food the exact same way every single time. And I log it with the exact same method with proteins, uh, with carbs, like rice, there is a difference between cooked and raw weight, um, with starches and carbs. Um, so that's really important. And then not using things like cups and measuring spoons and tablespoons, uh, there is a drastic difference between a tablespoon of peanut butter and 16 grams. (laughs) it's so funny because when I was in my undergrad um for nutrition we had like a lot of like food science classes but um in those classes I had some classes where we had we would have to do conversions for like you know mass recipes or you know converting grams to this and whatever and it was so funny because like he would ask like how many grams how many tablespoons or teaspoons is in this and I'm like oh I know like because I just I do the math and like he's like how many uh what's it called how many grams is in an ounce and all that stuff. And I would be like on it because, you know, I've been tracking for so long. Like I already know these numbers. Um, and it was so funny to me because I'm like, wow, like that, I mean, I feel like a weirdo now, but um, it's like, you know, just stuff that just comes naturally, like as you track and get used to it. And um, I feel like I forgot where I was going with that with like the food science part of it. But um, <laughs> that's like just something that, was funny to me just like converting recipes and shit like that and um yeah but I totally lost my train of thought again Um, don't worry it happens to me all the time Uh, (laughs) it definitely had to do with like just cooking or something like that but 
Yeah, yeah. Well, when you cook like proteins and stuff or anything, like you're adding or removing water from a lot of food sources. So that's where a lot of the discrepancy comes in with weight. If you're not adding anything, if you're adding mm -hmm. shit, then you're just like, I keep it basic. Like, I know that there's this conversation between <clears throat> like bro dieting versus flexible dieting. And I think a lot of it gets confused, but um, my definition of a flexible diet is being able to substitute chicken for <clears throat> tilapia because I don't fucking like tilapia. So um, if someone were to give me a meal plan that was tilapia and asparagus, I would probably opt out for that and do like chicken or shrimp um, and then like broccoli or green beans, you know, but I'm still keeping it very clean. Whereas a lot of people are like, oh, it's flexible dieting. I'm going to have a Pop-Tart today um, and every day. And I'm like, you can do that, but just remember the return on that investment is not very good as far as like a satiety and like micronutrients and all those good things um, that your body needs more of, especially when you're dieting pretty aggressively and trying to get to unsustainable levels of leanness. Um, anyways, that's, a, that's another topic, but I just think that people don't understand the level of neuroticism required to be successful in a prep. Like I am someone who for good or bad, you know, some people think it's a good quality. I think we all kind of want, we envy what we don't necessarily have. I am the type of person that will get everything to the gram all the time. And that's not always a great thing, right? There's a negative consequence to being that type of neurotic. Uh, but in prep, it, it makes it good for, for Campbell's studies and, and you, using me as a subject, it makes me a good subject. I basically put myself in the metabolic ward, uh, which most people don't have that control over. Um, but, you know, that is something that's more important, especially when, you, again, you're dieting for competition prep and, and being stage lean and being successful in that execution and adherence is, is key. But in the off season and living your life, um, that's not anywhere that someone should live uh, by three numbers in, in a food scale. So there's got to be that balance. And that was something that I had to come by uh, this last year in my off season was really just taking that out of the equation and, and finding some food sustainability and balance in my own life. So even though you're listening to this and you're like, oh my God, like I wish I was the type of person that did it to the gram. Like there is also a negative side to the things that we wish that we had and the way the qualities that we may not have right now. Um, and so just being aware that where you are and compared to someone that you might envy, remember that they probably envy a quality that you have that they don't have because it's just the way that they're wired. Yeah, exactly. Like, I feel like um, same thing with, you know, the neuroticism. It just, it's pros and cons, right? Like if you track everything to the gram, like you know you're doing all you can in that. And if anything needs to change, then you know 100% that it needs to change because you've been on point since day one. So that's a major pro to, you know, being on your shit in prep. And, you know, a con is just like really kind of reversing that when you are transitioning out of that dieting phase and out of those habits. Um, I noticed when I was entering my off season, it was a lot of the habits surrounding, um, you know, really just physique checks and, you know, oh, how do I look this morning? And how do I look this morning? And all this other, all these other little habits that I didn't really need to do if my goal wasn't to step on stage. And you don't notice like when you're in it, but I actually took a step back one day. I was like, why am I, I mean, I, I'm doing this thing. Like I'm, you know, throwing, not that you can't like put your composing suit on in the off season, like, of course, but I was like, 
you know, going into like my posing routine or checking myself in the mirror in the morning. And that kind of stuff wasn't really conducive to what the goal was when I was exiting the dieting phase and exiting prep. So all that kind of plays in there too, with, you know, really setting yourself up mentally for that transition. Um, and those little habits just like kind of go on unnoticed a lot of the time. And, you know, I've also, I feel like I just remembered this, but, um, you know, you're talking about like kind of, you know, flexible, flexible dieting and, you know, uh, oh, it fits. And I was there too at one point, like I totally took advantage of the, the macros and, you know, I was a kind of a dumbass when, you know, trying to fit in stupid shit all the time. And at some point it just like you, it gets old, I think, just because you realize like how your body responds and how well you feel when you kind of cut out most of the garbage. So that's just something else that I've noticed, like just doing this for like a longer period of time. But yeah, like um, those little habits just in general um, just add up and can make it easier or harder on you when you're no longer trying to get on stage. Yeah. And it's funny. I had this conversation with a girl at powerhouse yesterday and she was just like, you know, I, I told myself I was going to prep this year and I told myself I was going to prep this year, but I'm at a point now where I know that that's not going to happen for me. Um, because I was so bad to my body and I tried to stay so lean for so long, um, because I was afraid of, of gaining weight and, it's one of those things where I've, I've been there, like I got the t-shirt, you know, I was in the club and it's hard to wrap your mind around the, the importance of that phase uh, and understand objectively that you dieted really hard and you got really lean. And that's a super fucking amazing accomplishment. Like I'm proud of you. High five, dude. But we also need to get back to a point where we're healthy and stage lean is not healthy. And though it is aesthetically pleasing and it sounds super sexy and you see people online with shreds and you're like, holy fucking shit, they look great. And I just worked my ass off to look like this. So I'm going to stay like this forever because this is, you know, awesome. Um, you can throw glitter on a piece of shit and it's still a piece of shit that just sparkles. And I think that that's something people really need to remember is just because you look good doesn't mean that you are actually of quality and substance of thing that is like vitality and you need to come back to being a quality person, you know, something that's not just covered in what looks good, uh, but having the, the, the substance of something that is good. And that's something that I have learned. Like I said, uh, I'm saying this for, as someone that, you know, tried to sustain being lean because I thought being aesthetically pleasing to that level was something that made me good or determined my quality of a person. And it has absolutely nothing to do with who you are. Um, I do think that you should be healthy and I do think that you should be fit. And I do think that you should be living a life of abundance and overall health and wellness. And that comes from the inside and mentally. Um, and that's something that I've really kind of changed my passions into, into discussing is the mental part of a lot of it, the psychology behind being an athlete and the burnout that comes from pouring your heart into something and feeling like that goal is now done and then feeling kind of empty. And that's something that I see a lot of people go through and it is a part of the process, but you have to go into that situation knowing that you have to come out of it. Um, and we've talked about this before, but that's why I think stage weight is stupid to talk about and compare yourself to. Uh, I'm 10 pounds over stage weight. I'm, you know, 20 pounds over stage weight. Like, where are you? Like a success or 
uh, anything. Like it doesn't really, it doesn't really say anything about how well you're doing. Yeah, and it's and the girl was like, you know, I kept telling myself, oh, I feel good, I feel good, I feel good, and she's like, but every single week now, like I realize I feel better than I thought I did last week, um, and I, you know, and it's coming to that place where I didn't feel good at all. I just kept telling myself I felt good. Uh, and it's one of those things where you don't really know how shitty you feel until you come out of it fully, until you're having your period and, you know, you're not food focused and you're not killing yourself with cardio and you're not sticking to rice cakes and asparagus and fucking chicken, you know, it's, it's where you can find that flexibility and you can have a, an untracked meal and, and stay within a couple pounds and your body is just kind of happy where it is. Uh, that's when you go, okay, like this is my happy place inside. Yeah out um and I think that's just something that people struggle with and I'm not like we've talked about this like it's hard like you just said you've come down 20 pounds like that's a lot of fucking work and you're still you know dieting and you will still continue to lose weight and so when you go down that much um and then you're like okay well I got here and it took a long fucking time I just dieted for 20 weeks to lose 20 pounds you know you might diet for 30 uh and lose you know a bit more, but it's like on the outside of that, I think that you've talked about this too, is number one, you couldn't control how your body responded uh, when you got into your off season. And so um, when you started putting on weight, did you ever fight that process? Honestly, like, I feel like some of it was, you know, obviously expected. I, I expected to kind of get back to my weight before prep, right? So I think so, and then you know maybe those extra ten pounds kind of just creeped up on me. Like, sorry, Anakin's like pulling at me. Um, I feel like I definitely like was resistant to it. Like I didn't like where things were going, and it was kind of hard because you know obviously I wasn't gonna be that person who enters you know my post show and then immediately mini cuts. Right? Like that's not. You know, it's not going to sit me. It's super trendy right now. Yeah, I know. Like, but I wasn't going to, you know, enter reverse diet for 12 weeks and then do a mini cut, right? So I was like, kind of just sticking through it. I'm like, no, like, you know what? A few weeks post show, that the first actually, I would say six months post show were kind of fine. Like, kind of went as, you know, I figured they would. I think the last six months of those, um, plus some, is where things just really started to feel shitty. Um, and I think, that's where I kind of really realized like something internally was a little bit off, you know, at that point I would have expected to kind of settle into like a nice maintenance. Um, but you know, I, I wouldn't say I tried to necessarily fight anything like as I was going through it, I did try a mini cut in January of 2019. I would say no more so like maybe January, February of 2019, I think. And like nothing happened. Like, that's literally this, the, I think I posted about it a little bit on my story. Um, and then I just, like, didn't give any more updates or anything about, like, the depletion week I was doing and trying out because literally nothing happened. <laughs> um, I did maybe, like, five days of that depletion diet, you know, literally 50 grams of carbs from veggies. And I'm like, you know what, if this doesn't kickstart anything, then I got some bigger issues, right? After those five days, my weight went up. So, um, I was like, I think I was like 138 at that point. And for reference, I'm like 120 now. So, you know, eating absolutely nothing, like, you know, depletion week and my weight spiked up, like that's, 
that was like, okay, my metabolism is shitty, but it's not that shitty. So that was kind of where we kind of reevaluated things, me and Lauren, and we figured like, you know what, let's, let's not push you any farther because we've already gotten pretty aggressive for like a mini cut as far as a mini cut's concerned, right? So um, that's kind of where like I had to take a step back and be like, there's some more stuff going on. So it was like frustrating because, you know, you do everything that you can. And I'm the type of person who I'm not going to bullshit my food, my cardio. Like if you tell me to do 180 minutes of cardio a week, I'm going to do the 180 minutes and probably get some extra steps in while I'm at it, you know? So I don't bullshit any of that. So it was just like frustrating at that point where I knew that I was giving my 110%. I was controlling what I could just like I normally do. And then I wasn't getting the benefits that I should have been getting and the results that I would have expected. So that was like mentally, I would say like the most frustrating part because you just feel like your body is just not working with you anymore. And your body is just kind of got like a mind of its own and it's just stopped responding. So yeah. So I think, um, I feel like I kind of went on a little tangent there, but things started turning around once I like figured out, you know, some more shit about like, you know, the birth control I was using and, you know, got rid of the IUD I had that I felt like, I feel like a new person now that I got that out of my system, <laughs> um, which is like so freaking weird. Cause it just occurred to me one day while I was driving and I was like, Oh shit, this thing is like in me and I have no way of getting it out. <laughs> and I was like crying on the phone. I'm like, I need to get an appointment. <laughs> so that's kind of where it occurred to me. I'm like this one thing, like, I feel like I just felt like, um, you know, all the research I was doing, it was the one thing I had no control over, like, you know, manipulating at the time. Mm-hmm. So I figured, you know what, if this is like the last thing I'm going to try out, I'm going to do it. And you know what, it turned out that I just did not respond well at all after like, the, you know, those last six months of having it. Um, and not to say that's the only thing that was going on. I had a lot of other, you know, shit that I needed to kind of figure out, but I feel like things started to turn around once I kind of, I, I took, you know, a closer look at what I was, um, what I, you know, didn't really think of it at first, you know, the, the hormonal side of it that I was kind of contributing yeah, and I just, I think that there's, a, like, a lot to really, first of all, like, say kudos to you. Um, I, I'm different from the fact that I don't think that my body's ever kind of run from me. Um, it was more I had control over it, and every single day I had to make the conscious decision that regardless of how I felt um, or thought about myself, that I'm choosing to adhere to the plan that I have for myself because my future goals are bigger than the insecurity that I have in this moment. And that's what kind of drove me to stay consistent through my off season and hit the highest weight I've ever seen um, and and just keep going. And that's hard. Uh, When we get uncomfortable, it seems that we try to retract to our little comfortable box that we tend to put ourselves in. Um, but unfortunately, without kind of stepping outside of that, you're limiting your growth to the walls that you're limited to expanding yourself to fit. So <clears throat> every day, and I remember there were days, that doesn't mean it was easy. Like there were days where I literally sat down and just cried. And I was like, I hate this. I don't want to eat this. You know, I, I, I want to do more cardio. I want to, you know, diet. And 
I had to literally have these conversations with myself being like, okay, if you want to diet, fine. But like, you're not fucking competing anytime soon. And if you do compete, Kate, you know what? You're going to look the fucking same and you're going to get a second call out again. And you're not going to get any closer to being where you want to be as an athlete or as a person by continuing to put yourself in, in the psychological state. That's not making you better um, mm-hmm. inside and out. It just wasn't the time for me to do that. And so if you're someone that's kind of struggling with weight gain, um, that's the point of you hiring someone. And that's the point of you working with people that you trust. And that is the point of you taking responsibility to put yourself in an environment that is conducive to your goals. Um, And I think that environment and the people that you surround yourself with is also really important. And the things that you expose your thoughts to. So if you're following a bunch of people um, that kind of stay, that they're just in a different chapter than you. And it's not a knock on them. Like there are people that I just had to kind of stop looking at um, because and it has nothing against them. Like it was purely me. Like it just wasn't good for my mental thoughts. And it wasn't that, you know, I think people are afraid to kind of unfollow people or stop looking at people or stop commenting and, and liking um, because they feel like they're, that person's going to take it the wrong way. Um, but if you're doing it for your best interest and your best psychological standpoint, it's not that you don't support that person um, or that they're doing anything wrong. They're thriving in their own element and that's fucking amazing. But in order for you to thrive in your own element, if that means kind of stopping looking at those things and paying more attention to those things and really focusing on yourself, um, then you need to do that. And that was hard for me um, after 2018, I just got into a really dark mental place and it made me, like I said, I just wasn't being myself. I didn't, I wasn't a good person, um, because I was so hyper-focused on the wrong things. And it wasn't until I stopped looking at things that made me feel inadequate and I started really understanding myself and being aware, um, of the things that made me feel good and the things that made me feel like shit and the decisions and the choices that I had and the power that I had. And I took that back and was like, okay, look, this is the type of person that I'm being. I don't like it. So this is what I can do to change. Um, it, it made me better over, over the long period of time. Um, and the people that really care about you will understand that. Um, and it, of course it's sometimes it's a conversation that you need to have with them, if they're important to you and you are just in a place where it's not best for you to be around that, that's okay. Um, and if they love you and they support you, like they're going to be there afterwards. Like they're going to be there because they want you to be the you that you are, um, not the you that you're in your head trying to convince yourself that you have to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And kind of like what you said about, you know, kind of unfollowing people or, you know, just stopping to look at people's Instagram pages or what they're putting out that kind of just reminds me of like, like thought stopping in a way, you know, um, this is the psychology aspect of, you know, if you let those negative thoughts, just like, if you just like let yourself marinate in like the sadness and <laughs> that's kind of what I tell myself, like don't marinate in the sadness because it's just going to grow and just, you know, manifest from there. Mm-hmm. Um, if you just like let yourself sit in like those negative thoughts and then surround yourself with people who spur on those negative thoughts, like, you're, you're not stopping those, you're not actively, you're not being proactive and stopping those negative thoughts from even like occurring. So really limiting like kind of who you follow, who you kind of expose yourself to, that's kind of like a method of like thought stopping in a way I would say, because you're protecting your, you know, the way you, you're gonna have an outlook on the rest of, the, of your day. 
Um, and if that's what it takes to kind of put yourself in a good spot for now, and maybe you can revisit or I don't know, just, I don't know, whatever you want to do on Instagram, I guess, doesn't really, it's not that serious, but if that's what you have to do, then, you know, don't feel bad for that. I mean, again, Instagram is not that serious, but um, it's just another way to set yourself up for a longer, you know, an easier transition um, in what you're, what you're pursuing at the time. Um, yeah. So yeah, hard. like no one said it was easy. I have plenty of stories, um, just, you know, over my personal struggles and even, you know, from my very first season, I could remember like that transition, like the minute, like, you know, we were driving home, I just got like, super sad because it was just like, it felt like, oh, like I just worked so long for this and now it's over, like what? And it was like that, rever like it I was going into my first off season after that. So it was just off season post show. I mean, I, I, before that I was in an off season as well, but um, it was a weird transition and you just get hit like super hard, but it's not like ex exclusive to just some people. I feel like everyone kind of goes through that to some extent. Um, and having someone in your corner who's been through that and who can really tell you like what you can expect and what's normal and how to kind of work through these battles um, is going to be super important and I would say essential for that post-show period. Yeah, absolutely. Like it's, it's been really good for me um, meeting you, like having people that I just vibe with. And I think that that's kind of really important for you to evaluate is the type of person that you are, the type of people that you get along with and the type of people that you surround yourself with that can make you laugh and like, yeah. get, you know, fresh, uh, but also could talk to you about some really hard shit. Um, you know, it's, it's that balance in people that are succeeding in, in their own environment will force you to be like, Hey, they're thriving. Like what's holding me back from thriving. Okay. This is what I need to do for me. Okay, cool. And you know, they'll, the people that really support you are, are going to get excited about you making progress. They're not going to be like, Oh my God, blah, blah, blah. This person's successful. Now I hate them. You're so busy. Like, no, uh, be grown ups here and you need to, you know, pursue what it is that you're passionate about and that you have energy for. And that, um, allows you to just be literally, I hate saying this, but like your best self. Um, mm -hmm. and I think a lot of that comes first from being very aware and having clarity um, in what it is that you are as a person right now. Like I know people are like, Oh, I've cleared my goals. I want to be this. Okay, cool. Um, but you have to look at who you are now and kind of remove the clutter in your life. Like if you have aim for a destination, but there's like, I don't know, you walk through your house and there's like dirty dishes and dirty laundry and like the, the bedding thrown everywhere. Like, let's go ahead and clean up that path so that when you go out on that journey and you take that step, the road is clear now. Like you have that clarity, you have direction, you have aim, and now there's not going to be as many bumps in the road um, because you've kind of handled all the shit that you can. And then you have to go at it relentlessly. I see a lot of people that will be in something and kind of half step um, and you can't do that. And that's something, you know, that's, that's also, I've had conversations uh, with Hannah Osman and she was talking about her prep and, we, and she's amazing. I, I love her. Um, a super great friend that I've met this year. And she just felt a lot of pressure to come back to the stage. And she was like, yeah, but I'm not really being adherent and I'm not really, you know, all the way in it. And, and I question if I want to follow through and like, I'm not really executing nutrition, but I don't feel bad about it, you know? And, and she was going back and forth with me and I was like, dude, 
I would just say, number one, the stage is not going anywhere. And number two, if people are pressuring you to prep and you're not doing it for you, you're doing it for the wrong reasons. And the people that actually give a fuck about you are going to love you regardless of your fucking stage lean or thriving in your off season. Like those are the people that actually care about you. And that's where you need to keep your perspective. Like the stage is not going anywhere. And when you're ready, I'm telling you, no one can talk you out of prep. Like if you're that type of person and you're like, yeah, I don't care if you're going to help me or not. Like I'm dieting. This is what I'm doing. Like, please help or don't, but also like be objective and make sure that you're in the right place to start a diet. Don't just be like, oh, well, I'm being neurotic because I just came out of prep and I feel fat, so I'm going to diet whether you want me to or not. Like, no, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying after being in the right spot, taking the right amount of time off and making the right amount of progress that you needed to make, when the time comes, you will know that you are ready. And that is really important. It It can't be about other people. It can't be about the vanity that surrounds the sport. It can't be for, you know, that, that achievement goal, that red, that fucking gold star or whatever. Like that's, that's not the point of it. Um, not about like just leaving with a trophy, you know, if, it, if you're doing it for, you know, Instagram, if you're doing it for other people, I've had talks with even like my clients about this, like, you know, why, are they going into this? And then some of them have even just come to me like after starting and they're like, you know what? I'm not in this, right? Like I'm not there and I don't think I want to be there and that's okay. Like if you come to me with a certain goal, you don't have to stick with that goal if you realize that you're not in it for the right reasons. Um, same thing, you know, it's it's huge with prep and I, I really, I give them props for coming to me and just being straight up about it. You know, I'm not in this. I feel like I'm doing this for the wrong reasons. I'm doing this for Instagram. I'm doing this for, you know, other people who, you know, you don't have to do fitness by competing. I'm sorry. And it was like super loud. Bringing out. Yeah. But I think that's really important is, is competing is not the epiphany of health and fitness. I, and I'm saying this as someone who, and you are too, as people that love the sport and are very passionate about it. We're not knocking the sport. We're not saying anything's bad about it. We're saying if you are someone that wants to be healthy and fit, bodybuilding and stage leanness is not healthy and fit. Hormones get thrown out of whack. Your psychology is going to be shifted. Your perception of life and quality of life and things that are important and food and your what lean looks like and you know all those things, like that will change. And you will never, ever to be able to come out of that. To this day, I talk about this quite often in my own struggles is like my perception of what lean looks like is completely skewed and will always be skewed. I see myself in my, you know, heaviest weight in my off season and literally people will be like, you look really good. You look really good. You look really good. And in my head, I'm going, Oh, okay. I woke up this morning thinking I look like a motherfucking beach whale, but that's fine. <laughs> like, you know? Um, and that's why I have to give myself perspective and be like, I'm healthy. I'm strong. You know, I, I have my period back. I, I can go throughout my day with full energy. You know, I can go out and be flexible on the weekends and not worry about my body freaking out anymore. And so those are the bigger things like I can perform now. I'm squatting again. Whoo. Um, <laughs> And so that's, that's the bigger and more important aspects of health and fitness, um, not the aesthetics necessarily. I feel like that actually, because I had such a shitty period of training too in my off season where like, I think just like when everything just hit the fan and I just felt, I felt garbage. I felt, I just felt like ugh, nothing felt good anymore. And training was one of those things Like I could not get a pump or anything like training at like it just, it wasn't exciting. And I just didn't feel like I was getting 
anything from it. I, I don't know how to explain it. Just like I had such a bad period where like it just didn't feel good to be like, you know, lifting basically. And on top of that, you know, I was, you know, going through a spinal herniation this past year as well. Mm. Uh, so it really showed me like just focusing on feeling good and training hard and, you know, just figuring out all that extra shit, not just like, it doesn't, it's, it's not only about how you look or if you have abs or not, like training, I love training. Like I, oh my God, like I used to train like six days a week and I was totally fine with that as much as I ran myself into the ground at the time. I only train five days a week now, but um, like feeling good in training again and like getting that back, it showed me like how important that is to me. Like it, it's just as important as just feeling my best. And um, it goes hand in hand with just like, you know, any other goal I have, I just want training to feel good and uh, you know, progressing there and being able to squat again, like you, um, and being able to like do all those lifts that I, I love. And I haven't been able to actually like train heavy, I would say with compounds in a long ass time. And I'm getting my, I'm getting back here now. So, um, that just like adds to like what's important to me being in prep. Like, yeah, like the overall goal is to be on stage. Right. But throughout this process, like training has been freaking amazing. And that's kind of something that I like to place a lot of focus in during my week as well. It's not just, okay, I got my cardio this weekend. Oh my God. Like my weight spiked up. Like it's not my only focus. It's part of, you know, the goal, but I would say like a large part of me is really like honed in on my training right now. And you get that back and you feel good in like those surrounding areas. Like it really shows like there's so much more to, this process than just the physical and the physique goals it's just like it's crazy I don't know just like uh rewarding to just be able to you know feel good there again and just like you kind of forget when you're like out of it for a while and like when you go through like some weird period in time where like just nothing feels good you forget how how good it does feel when things are in a good place yeah. And one thing, so, you know, I just started my dieting phase ish. Um, and so I, like I said, self-awareness was huge to me. And so going through this, I'm like, all right, I know myself well enough to know that if I start dieting and I don't see the results I want, I'm going to be the person that wants to do more. So I can either a allow that thought to manifest and continue to have control over my training and stuff, or I can outsource to someone that I trust and I can learn from, um, that is going to handle that for me. And so going about this dieting phase differently, I was like, Ryan, I gotta, you know, I've looked into him. Um, I love seeing him train people. I've gotten really good feedback from people that he's worked with. And I reached out to him and I was like, Ryan, I want you, if you are taking people, um, to do my programming. And that is the best decision that I have made for myself. Um, because I have gotten stronger Um, I am now back to squatting. And for those of you that don't know, I tore my knee in 2016. I tore my patellar tendon and I have not squatted since then until now. Um, so I have structured my entire week to still have training as my primary focus and the fat loss as a a secondary outcome. So even when I have cardio, I don't structure my week around my cardio. I structure my week around training. Um, and so my heavier compound lower body days, like I will plan out my cardio so that I'm not doing that much on those days. Cause I still want to be able to perform at my best. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I still want to be able to, you know, stimulate some muscle growth and focus on maintaining what I have and maybe even uh, adding more size. And so that's where kind of letting go of the neuroticism and focusing on the things that are going to be overall impactful in your sustainability of what your goals are. If you don't allow the fat loss to be the one thing you're constantly thinking about and, and adjusting and manipulating, and, and it, it can be so consuming to the point where it's detrimental. Um, so that's where I think it's really important to have, you know, okay, that can be a goal, but what other goal do we have? And so for me, it's allowed me to thrive right now is, is having that accountability, taking that off of my mind um, and just being like, hey, I'm literally following every single plan. I'm following you know, what, what Paul's telling me as far as my diet and cardio, and I'm following everything that Ryan's telling me to do as far as training. Um, and I trust them both with everything. So I'm like, this is just me executing. It makes it mindless. It's not on me. The only thing that is, like you said, is controlling every variable that you can and being adherent and executing and following the plan and being, you know, very communicative with each of them on how things are actually going. Um, and so that for me has made this an entirely different type of dieting process, which for the first time I can say, I'm really, really excited about um, in my last prep, I don't think I was there, but I also don't think that I had uh, overcome the things that I needed to and dealt with the things that I needed to internally to allow me to thrive in an environment that has a lot of pressure and there is a lot of psychological stuff that goes on. Um, and so just really taking the, the over a year that I did away from it and focusing on the internal work that I had to do along with, you know, training hard and putting on size and being different. Like, yeah, that was all, you know, an outcome too. Um, it has got me to this place where I feel very grounded um, in the decisions that I'm making and very confident in the direction that I'm going, which I can say is, is a really good feeling. Um, and I don't know <clears throat> that I would have gotten to where I am without knowing that I needed help. Um, without knowing that I needed to ask for guidance in different areas and not feeling like even though I'm a coach, even though I'm knowledgeable, even though I'm a super fucking nerd, um, that it's okay to be like, yo, I need to get help from other people that I can learn from, that I trust and are educated. And in the process, I've already learned so much from Ryan um, as far as training and recovery and you know modalities and, and all that stuff, functional things um, that I don't think I would have. And it took me getting uncomfortable and being like, hey, I need help. <laughs> uh, to get that investment. And it's, it's, like I said, one of the best decisions I've ever made. Yeah, yeah. I think for me, it took, I, I feel like since I've been training, like, Brian, I haven't really um, handed my training over to anyone until, like, maybe the past year. Like, I started working with Brian. We're on our, like, sixth block together. So I've been training with him for a while. So he was, like, the first person I really just, like, handed all my training over to and, you know, really trusted with all that because prior to that I was a stubborn asshole who just wanted to do what I wanted to do and I my ego was probably fucking huge and I thought that I can handle everything and oh you know I do my research like but like after handing over my training to Ryan I've learned so much about just my own training and it makes me a better coach for my training clients um I, it's, yeah, best decision I've made training-wise in, like, the past year. Um, so, yeah, part of that for me was just, like, I got to drop my ego and, you know, really just invest in learning from someone else who knows more than me, obviously. So, uh, 
yeah, I was just like that super, uh, I don't know, like I was training like six days a week and then I was just going in without a plan every time. Um, then I was running myself into the ground on top of that. So not exactly ideal, um, or optimal. So really, uh, taking everything in and learning as I go has been like so crazy. I don't know. I just feel like my physique is like, you know, I feel like I've benefited so much physique wise as well. So. Yeah. In my, the first, when I was in my off season, I did all my own train, like training and I, and I loved the way that I trained. And then, you know, I collaborated with um, Scott Stevenson and I did some uh, of his work and added in, you know, uh, some muscle rounds and some <laughs> training style stuff. Yeah. And so, you know, I love that and I saw really good results doing it. Uh, but I also, like I said, I, like you said too, is just, you'll get into this point where you can literally drive yourself into the ground. Um, and you're adding in junk volume instead of quality reps and you're sacrificing, you know, proper mechanics and form, um, and not necessarily being able to objectively evaluate your movement patterns and point them out if you're not that experienced at examining someone who is, uh, performing these things. And so, like I said, I have learned a lot about my own biomechanics, uh, just from Ryan and it's made me way better already at looking at my clients programming and being like, okay, like, can I see you do this? What does that look like for you? Um, I don't want to go in there and just throw weight around like I need to like I'm so much more cognizant of what I'm doing and each working set and how each working set feels and you know getting the most out of those sessions um not spending you know two hours just lifting alone <laughs> yeah it's insane yeah just being efficient and going in there with attention rather than just willy-nilly winging it yeah, like, oh, I'm going to just go till I can't go anymore. And then you feel like shit and you're covered. Well, you do all this stuff because uh, this feels good. And then the next day you don't feel so good. So, yeah. And it's it's one of those things. He, he made a post the other day on his story. He's like, lifting heavy weight uh, isn't hard. He's like, lifting heavy fucking weight with proper form is fucking hard. Um, and I think that that's one thing, especially in like the bodybuilding industry, you see these big ass dudes throwing weight around. I see it all the time. Bicep curls, lat pull downs, you know, deadlifts. It's like, I get it, bro. But uh, yikes, that's going to hurt later. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and you're not even targeting the correct, you know, muscle group that you're really trying to fatigue with overcompensating your other muscle groups. Like three plate or four plate hip thrusts that look ugly I'm, <laughs> makes me sad. So don't do that. Um, just make sure you're feeling it because um, it's way more important than getting four plates on the bar and hip thrusting and not feeling it. So yeah, absolutely. And I'm so, and I think a lot of it too is understanding what your body responds to. Like some people, for me, my glutes do not respond to a heavy load. My hamstrings or my quads will take over that movement pattern. Um, so a lot of it for me is more volume work, a lot of lighter pump sets that are really emphasizing the glute, uh, pause reps and things like that. <clears throat> and everybody's different. Foot placing is going to be different. And so it's, it's understanding what it is that works best for you to hit the muscle group that you're targeting. Moving a lot of weight doesn't mean anything. Uh, you're not doing the job correctly with what your outcome goal is. Uh, same thing with compounds. I know people get their egos hurt. I'll tell you, I am now squatting, uh, 65 pounds. Okay, so like, I'll just give you some perspective. Like, it's not that you have to lift fucking heavy. Uh, 
to get the the quality of the movement down. I I feel that more, and I could throw like 135 up there and the reps would be shit. I wouldn't hit depth and it would be like an ego stroke. Like, yeah, I could do that, blah, blah, blah. But like, would it be correct? And would I be getting the return on the investment of doing that? No. Um, So that's where you kind of have to really realize that uh, you might need to just take a step back and look at form and mechanics first. And the other thing is to, People are like, oh, I don't want to be that one person that's like squatting 65 pounds and everyone's watching me. Like, first of all, if someone gives a shit what you're lifting, fuck them. They need to be they're, in the they're enough if they're looking at the weight you're throwing on the bar. Yeah, like they need to just pay attention to their own damn selves. Uh, and second of all, like no one actually gives a shit. And even if they do point you out, they're not going to remember you later that evening. Like, it's not like you're going to be like that girl that was like, oh, she only squatted this much. Me. Like, no, no one gives a shit. Go home to their family and be like, who's so-and-so only had this much on the bar, hon. Oh my God. This one girl at the gym was only squatting 65 pounds. What a little bitch. Like, (laughs) like comment, like, you know, typical dinner conversation. Uh, no, her form was better than yours, bro. Like, let yeah. it go. Uh, you want to say, want to go? No. Yeah. But, um, yeah, no one gives a shit, honestly, like what you're, what you're, you know, lifting. And I'm one of those people who I love lifting heavy, obviously. I mean, I herniated my freaking spine. So um, that taught me a huge lesson, lesson in actually, you know, taking a step back and reworking my form and movement pattern um and as sucky as it is like not being able to just like be as careless as I was before with throwing on you know 155 for a warm-up set that was that used to be like a warm-up set for me and now it's like I'm not even up to there yet I squatted 120 last week um and that seems really light coming from you know where I was before but I have to like literally take a step back and remember like I have to follow the plan like this there's a means to the means to an end right um and I came too far to screw that up with my ego so um you kind of just have to yeah you can acknowledge those feelings like oh like relatively this sucks but you're doing this for a reason and it's it's gonna set you up uh even better for when you do build your strength back up. So, yeah, that's uh, that is what it is, man. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, for me, it's like you're like one fifty five is a warm up set, and like one fifty five is my goal. So, it's like, <laughs> but again, like I could be here like comparing myself to Jillian and be like, wow, I suck. I'm just gonna give up. Like, but no, like that's where you have to be. Like, sh- they're someone else's experience and their training age and all those things. Like, just just don't get caught up in that shit. The same thing with competing. People are like, I'm never going to look like this bitch. And I'm like, yeah, well, that bitch well, is been years. just came to me. Like, I need you to simmer. Like, let's, let's yeah. stop doing that. Cause that's just really greasing the tracks for some fucking psychological stress. Like let yeah. it, don't let those thoughts even enter your head. Cause it's, it's one thing to compare yourself to someone else and look, I don't even like comparing myself. One thing I'll say is I think it's really empowering to embrace somebody else's success. Like when someone else succeeds, I am very passionate about saying that it's an opportunity for you. Like they're showing you what the fuck is possible. Like the fact that we have people that are going to be on the Olympia stage this year, like 
to me, that's fucking amazing. Like, I'm not like, oh, damn, I'm never going to get there. I don't look like that person. Like, no, it's showing me this is completely possible. Like, one person stepping up there and, and doing that and going through with it, like, that is inspiring as fuck. And it's just, like, one of those things where you can choose to look at it as something that, like, oh, this person's succeeding. I mean, we can, we can throw it at anything. You can throw it at coaching. Oh my gosh, this one coach is like really taking off. That means like they're taking all the clients in the world and I'm just going to be a shitty coach. Or you can look at it and be like, wow, they're really inspiring people. We need more good coaches. I can be a good coach. Look at what they're doing and how they're doing it. Like they're growing. That means there's an opportunity for you to grow. Um, and, and so celebrating that and being supportive and being like, wow, damn, like you motivated me to let me know. Yes, I fucking can. Uh, I, I think that that's, you need to change your, your, your thought processes. Like people look at other people's success and they hate them for being successful. But for me, it's like, yeah, bitch, you did that. Or Mr. Whoever you are, like, you know, I'm not trying to be sexist here. Dudes, like kudos to you. Um, Yeah. It's like either way, like there are so many different opportunities. uh, But if you set yourself up to psychologically give up before you even really fucking try. And it takes a lot of time and a lot of fucking work. Um, for whatever it is that you're working for, it, it's not going to happen overnight. I know when you follow people, you, you see the yeses and you see the success. And I had this conversation with Jordan when I had him on, he got turned down by a lot of people. He got a lot of no's before he got yeses. And I think that's really important to acknowledge is like, you are going to fail. Uh, you are going to get second call outs. You're going to get fourth call outs. You're going to fucking lose more than you win. Like that is the reality of life. Like you are going to lose, like accept it and then know that it's going to happen to you. But if you keep coming back and you refuse to give up and you continue to progress towards whatever your goals are, at some point you're going to get a yes. At some point you're going to get a win, but you have to keep growing in order to be ready for that when that opportunity comes. Yeah. You got to, you know, it just makes you work harder and, you know, do the shit that you got to do. And then you'll reap the benefits. Yeah. And so that's why when people are like, I'm going pro this year. I'm like, you don't know if you're going pro this year, but I will say that you will beat your last package and I wish you all of the best. But the, the hardest thing with competing and a lot of people that get hurt and I've been hurt by this. So like, please know that I'm picking on myself here. Um, is when you walk into a show with expectations, you walk into it with, I'm, I have to get first call out. I, I'm just, I deserve this or I'm entitled to this. I died it hard. Um, at the end of the day, everybody, everybody that, that showed up that day, they fucking died it. Maybe you had to do more. Oh, fucking well. Like that's your genetics. You signed up for this, bro. Yeah. Like everybody that's there is there because they deserve to be there is there because they worked hard enough to be there. And so you can't go into it with the expectation that you're going to walk out of it being the overall winner because odds are you're not right um you have to walk into it knowing that you worked your ass off and you're proud and you're going to display that shit and own it and how it goes like the best person is going to win that day and they deserve to and that's something that i think people need to come into it with a stronger why than the like i said the accolades and the trophies and and the double taps and you know the promotions from other other things it's it's got to be for you yeah, I think that is actually, like, a really good episode idea, just, like, learning from our failures, because um, I think, you know, the earlier you experience that failure, I guess, or just that placing you didn't expect, um, the better you're off you're going to be, because, okay, you you should know what it feels like now, and as shitty as it feels, um, it's necessary, and, you know, you never know who's going to show up that day, 
but you know, it's part of, it's part of the sport, you know, you're going to have more losses than wins and how you handle those losses shows a lot about you and um, you know, what, how far you're willing to go. Um, you know, if you're just going to, if you're just going to throw in the towel because oh, I didn't place how I wanted at this show um, or it's going to make you, you know, put your head down and work a little bit harder Yeah. because um, you never know who's going to show up. But you know what, if you keep putting in the work and doing what you need to do, then at some point you're going to get the results you want. Right. And I think that this again has to come down to doing it for you and having clarity. So for me, um, a big reason, you know, is that I continue to do this isn't just to get number one. Um, I have my own body composition and physique goals. <laughs> and I told this to Ryan in my questioner, I'm like, <laughs> I want a fat ass and juicy hands, hamstrings and some nice thick quads. So let's, let's get all that. Um, and, you know, let's say for whatever reason, I just become a genetic anomaly and I put on oh, so much mass in my lower body that it's insane. And they're like, you need to come down. If I like the way I look, I probably won't. Like, and, and so the bigger picture for me is I, I'm actually developing a body that I want to live in and I feel good in. Um, and, you know, competing is just like the emphasis of the mental fortitude and the stuff that the mental tests for me and really pushing my body to see how much progress I've made over time. Um, but it's not like I'm going to make my life being a competitor. Um, that's not where I'm at now. That's not what I, I have envisioned for myself. Um, I do it because I love it. Um, I love the test and I, I work hard and I, I'm excited to see, you know, what I look like compared to what I did last, last time. Um, and so that's like the clarity I have in my vision is it's really about me regardless of like, obviously I'm going to take, I'm not saying a fuck the judges. Like that's definitely not what I'm saying. Like I will always take feedback to improve because I, I do want, I have the goal of turning pro when and how that happens. It, it'll just happen. Um, yeah. but I don't have that expectation and I'm not going into it with, Oh, I have to do this for them. If, like I said, if they say more size, cool. I'm okay with putting on more size. I want that anyway. That's, I'm, you know, that's my primary goal, um, with, with everything I'm doing. Um, and if it gets to a point, like I said, where I just put on so much size, like I'd probably transfer divisions before trying to come back down. Um, because that's just a part of my body that I really want to grow and have shape in. Um, and that would be for me, not for them, you know, but that would be a decision that probably wouldn't have to happen just based on my own genetics right now as, as far as it looks it looks like I'm a hard gainer uh, so it's just gonna take some more time but um yeah I, I think that you have to know that you're doing it for for you um the way that you train has to be for you the things that you're that you're implementing into your diet and your regimen and your lifestyle and you know that that overall clarity of of direction has to come from an internal source and when you talk about failures, uh, the first thing that came to my mind uh, is in my prep for junior nationals, when I was so hyper-focused on being lean, I was so fucking lean. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to stand out like a sore thumb. And I stood out like a sore thumb in, in the worst way, in the absolute worst way. I was like third call out, third or fourth call outs, um, conditioned to shit. You know, Sandy's feedback was, you stood out you are way too lean. Like I could see your striated glutes from, from here. That's, that's not bikini. That's not what we're looking for. 
uh, and I remember everyone posting shreds and all the follower, uh, you know, the girls that competed were just so shredded. I'm like, yeah, I gotta get lean. I just gotta get lean. I just get a leaner, leaner, leaner. <laughs> and it was like the worst thing I've ever done. I felt terrible. Um, and I looked stringy and it was just like, I thought that's what I had to be to be successful. Mm -hmm. Uh, and that's very, the conditioning is important, but it is not the most important thing by any means. Yeah. That's, uh, that's crazy. Just like realizing that, you know, and, um, I'll just like say one of mine. I think that same season, actually, we both competed at junior Nats that year. Mm -hmm. uh, my first show of that season was like a warm up show. Uh, it was like my worst placing since I've started competing. I got like second call outs, which I mean is not bad, obviously, but it was like a pretty big show. Um, and not the fact that I got second call outs, but I looked at like my stage shots and I didn't even want to like keep them. I'm like, Oh wow. I look like garbage. Like, I don't know. I was just so, um, it was just, I don't know. I wasn't satisfied with what I brought. Um, not saying that, you know, I didn't diet hard. Um, I lost a lot, but I definitely could have been like maybe three or four pounds leaner, which I was for, you know, come junior nets. Um, so that was like, I mean, not necessarily like a failure, but for me, it was like, I think that show I went in with more expectations than I should have. Mm -hmm. um, and that's kind of what made it a little bit like, eh, well, damn. So that was kind of like a little hard, but again, I think that unexpected result that I got from that show helped me in the long run, just because it's like, okay, uh, you didn't like what you, you didn't like where you placed. So what <laughs> the people in first cause deserve to be there. Um, and that just made me kind of put my head down and just think like, you know what, this is what I have to do. I have to get in, I have to get leaner. Let's do it. Yeah. And like for me, this this upcoming competition season, whenever I do step on stage, my goal is to overall like really beat my last package and the placings will go where they fall. Mm -hmm. But a lot of it for me, you know, conditioning wasn't necessarily my issue. Um, a lot of it is stage presence, posing and confidence. And so I'm very excited about what I will look like. I'm very excited about that journey, but um, you know, displaying that pride and excitement uh, is, is for me a very big goal. And so if, if I walk out there, um, you know, this confident little lean bean that I will be um, and own it and every ounce of it, every, every ounce of my lean body mass, <laughs> um, I'll be fucking proud. You know, that, that's, that's it for me. It's just, I want to go out there and know that I literally brought my best from head to toe from from the moment the lights hit to the moment I walk off that stage. And that for me is a huge win, regardless of, you know, who shows up and what they think, um, yeah. you know, comparatively, as long as the feedback I get from Sandy is like much improved from the last time fucking win for me. That's like, yes, that that's a first place trophy for me in, in my own, you know, here, not realistic trophy case. Um, you know, that would be the one, <laughs> The one trophy that I definitely had of this season. Yeah. And I would like to win, if, I, if I'm looking at placings, I'd like to win an overall at a regional show. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We went over, I think we talked about this last time, um, just like that short-term goal. I want, same goal. I want to win an overall. You know, yeah. that's something smaller 
um, and I would say attainable for right now. And then, you know, as you get down the line, you can, you know, work up to those, those bigger ones. Yeah. And that's where I think it's important because, you know, even as coaches, I'm sure you see this too, people in their application be like, I've never competed, but I want to be an IFBB pro. I'm like, mm -hmm. all right, that is a huge goal. Um, and we can get there someday if you're willing to do the work, but if you've never competed, number one, you don't even yeah. if you like let's it. Let's bring that down. Let's compete first. Let's then... go through prep and see if we can do that. Yeah. You know, yeah. Let's, let's start posing and walking and, and putting on a suit and, and doing those things that make you uncomfortable and see if you th feel good doing that. Is that comfortable for you? Yeah. And you know what? The, some people don't realize, like, I mean, it's not a necessarily a bad thing. Some people realize that, like, they love competing after they get on stage for the first time. You know, sometimes you just have to go kind of go through that process. Um, you know, if they, you know, get through that process initially, obviously. Um, and then, you know, once you actually get on stage for the first time, then, you know, from there you can actually set some realistic timelines and some more goals for that, um, for the, whether it be for that season or the seasons to come. So I think, you know, starting out with just, like you said, you know, the foundational stuff, you know, tracking and posing and actually prepping and mm -hmm. then, you know, go up from there. You know, I want to compete at a regional show. I want to place. I want to qualify for nationals and all that. So it's just like a steps, a step ladder, I guess. Yeah. You have to like, yeah, work your way up the ladder. But the other thing is too, is I get, I get people that come to me that want to prep. I'm like, all right, well, first of all, I, I really like to work with people in, in improvement, oh, yeah. whether, you know, before we jump into a diet. Um, and sometimes it comes down to the point where they were just not in a point where their nutrition was, was allowing them to thrive. And then they get to that point. They're like, I thought I wanted to diet, but I don't really want to prep. I'm, I actually really like doing this. Like, let's focus on this goal. And so a lot of the times too, it's like, not every, you might think that that's what you want to do, um, but you find that it's not necessarily what's going to be the most <laughs> enhancing as far as quality of life is concerned. Um, and you can get to body composition goals, especially if you're someone who's newer to training and nutrition um, without having to prep. And I would suggest you try that first uh, mm -hmm. and see what your body kind of is capable of doing when you start really incorporating proper uh, nutritional, you know, com components and then proper training, um, mm -hmm. and just see where you end up at. Cause there's a lot of cool transformations that will happen just from starting there. Yeah. Like, I feel like, um, some people realize the areas that they need work on after, you know, we kind of get on that route route towards achieving them. Um, and then it kind of becomes clear that, Hey, um, I know you want this, you have this long-term goal of starting prep, but we we're kind of noticing that like your adherence is kind of faulty or you have a lot of problems with, you know, staying on track when your schedule is stressful and mm -hmm. you know, all that stuff kind of like all that hidden, all those hidden variables kind of come out when you actually start. So setting up for a prep and actually spending some time on those like habits and the even just like getting into the lifestyle first and making it part of your lifestyle and you know doing those things habitually that's gonna do so much more for you in the long run than simply okay i'll have a prep list diet like it's not just the tracking macros and hitting your cardio you know what happens if you know 
you're out of the house for a long amount, amount of time and you're hungry and you're stressed and uh, are you just going to hit your macros in or do you find yourself stress eating during the week? So all those other variables that you kind of need to work on before you even think about, you know, entering a strict dieting phase. I think that that would be a really good podcast too, is like what you should do before you start the diet, like where you need to be and habits that you have. Okay. Um, so I think if you guys are interested in that, let us know, either shoot me or Jill a DM, uh, or comment on this. I don't know how this works still. Um, yeah. If you guys are interested in some foundational habits before prep, uh, that you should have and kind of the learning curve that we see ourselves have learned or, or clients that we've worked with, um, let us know that. And we will absolutely do that uh, podcast. Cause I think that that will be uh, a really good discussion for people that are thinking they might want to prep, but may not really be aware of where they need to be before that happens. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we have some other really good topics uh, that are going to be coming up. This one was just kind of about our backgrounds and some prep stuff. Um, but some dieting myths, um, you That's know, beneficial supplements, what's behind greens, you know, what's the hype. Um, and then yeah. some other, some other shit, like don't believe everything you see on Instagram because the girl that stays shredded and tells you not to do cardio is in the, in the gym doing cardio for two hours a day in her off season, but it's fine. Short rant. <laughs> to be continued. Uh, we can talk a lot about that shit. Yes. All right, guys. Uh, we hope you like the episode, and we will talk to you next time. Bye. Bye.